everyone. Welcome to Build, Lead, Succeed, the official podcast of the National Association of Women in Construction. Today, I'm going to introduce you guys to a good friend of mine who is also a powerhouse in the construction industry. I have been wanting to get her on this show for a while now because I think that she's got such good initiatives going for women in construction and also programs to helping young people get in construction as well. We all know how important that is. There are some people that you meet in this life that you just know you're going to be lifelong friends with. I met Debbie Rodriguez just about nine years ago and we became friends right away. We had a lot in common. We were both business owners at the time and we became a sounding board for each other and I was really able to learn so much about her and was inspired by her story and also so impressed at the goals that she had for the things that she wanted to do while she was part of the industry. It wasn't enough for her to own a business. It wasn't enough for her to own two businesses. It was not enough to even own three businesses. Debbie Rodriguez knows no obstacles. And the good thing about her is that she really wants to use her relationships and her gifts to help others in any way that she can. So sit back on your drive and take a listen. Uh, I think you'll hear exactly what I'm talking about. Hi, everyone. Uh, This is Angela Highland with Build, Lead, Succeed, NAWIC's official podcast. Today, I'm pretty excited because we have a special guest joining us, Debbie Rodriguez. Uh, She is the owner of Competitive Edge Partners in Orlando, Florida. She is also the owner of Quality Labor Management in Orlando. Co-owner. 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 And also, (laughs) she is the founder and president of iBuild USA. And we're going to unpack all that in a bit, but uh, welcome, Debbie. Hey, Angela. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so I had to be on, like reminiscing with old friends. I know. This is so wonderful. Uh, one of the things, uh, one of the reasons I really wanted you to join us today is because you do so much in the industry. And of course, this podcast is all about women in construction. And I think that you've got some programs uh, to help women get into the trades and there's everything else that you do that I think that a lot of people need to know about because I think it might inspire other people. It'll make connections and uh, just get that knowledge out there that some some of these things exist. So before uh, we kind of get into all that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your construction journey, how you got into construction, and somehow try to get all that to where you are today. (laughs) So um, I was 23 years old, um, really had no idea, uh, had a full ride to go to Florida on a softball scholarship and literally went to class and said, how many professional softball players do you know? And my teacher said, well, none. And I said, yeah, I'm out. 
So I had no idea at that moment um, that I would end up in the industry that I'm in, the industry that I love. Um, so 23 years old, I had a salesperson that kept coming to me and asking me about the, about temporary labor. And I was like, yeah, I don't know anything about temporary labor, but I certainly don't, don't think I need it. Um, I was an HR manager for a distribution center. And I'll be honest with you, the only reason I got that job at 23 years old was because I was bilingual. That was the only reason. I had none of the credentials, um, but I was bilingual and they thought I was pretty smart. So they gave me that opportunity. Well, right at, so that salesperson was trying to sell, obviously sell their business or what their services were. And so I was always intrigued. Um, her name was Tracy Korn, to be, a, to be a matter of fact. And so I went to see what temporary staffing looked like and day labor model. Um, at 23 years old, downtown Jacksonville, Florida, uh, our office opened at 5 a.m. And I was there to put all of these construction workers to work. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, so anyway, I loved it. I loved um, the fact that we had 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old men coming in and I define their future. I define their income. So that's actually, I fell into the construction industry only because I wanted to help um, people. So I fell into the, the staffing model, into the day labor model. I did that um, in Jacksonville for about a year and really wanted to change the scenery. Um, I, you know, I was really tired of the, I mean, I love Jacksonville, but it's certainly a different vibe in Jacksonville than it is in Orlando. So I asked to be transferred to Orlando and I was given the opportunity because I had been so successful. There was another struggling office. So I took over that office um, and all we did, most of our temporary staffing was, was mainly construction. Um, we did have a small percentage that was industrial, but most of it was construction. So then fast forward, became a district, um, had, uh, was responsible for $18 million, um, had uh, I think 10 locations throughout the Southeast of the US, but I covered Central Florida all the way to North Florida and everything in between. And then from there, I, um, you know, 2006, uh, our company was sold. Um, the old owner of Workers Temporary Staffing uh, was out of the industry for two years for a non-compete, came to me and said, hey, I want to get back into the industry and I want to do it with you. His name is Mark Lang. And um, so 2008, um, the economy took a dive. And we started a new business um, called QLM, Quality Labor Management. The great thing about QLM was is that we did it completely on a different premise. We did it as a permanent, we would do permanent placements um, and our team members were not temporary, our assignments were temporary. So therefore we had all, I have 300 um, craftsmen and women now. So 2008, we started QLM. 2008, I was run over by a truck. Um, 2008, I uh, came back from being run over by a truck and really hit the ground running because I had missed, I know you're laughing because you totally know this story. Um, I missed three months of my life um, and I had some stuff to get done. So at that point, I had no idea why I survived that accident. Um, today, I absolutely understand how why I survived that accident. So, um, so 2008, uh, started QLM. 2009 started Competitive Edge Partners, but really Competitive Edge Partners really didn't take off until probably 2013, 2014. Um, so 2013 came around, I had opened up the, 10, the first 10 locations of QLM. 
um, throughout Florida, and then uh, Dallas, Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, and then I raised my hand and said, I'm done. I'm almost 40. I don't have a life. I don't have a partner. I never had kids. And I just had that moment of, you know, I don't, I don't want to grow old and all I have is my business and I don't have anybody with me to share the rest of my life. So knocking the door of 40, um, which I did in between all of that, I did win OBJ's um, 40 under 40. But I, uh, I was like, you know, I, I love Central Florida and I love this industry and I was missing the things that I love the most, our team members and our clients. And so I asked to take a step down from being the um, vice president of operations for QLM and started really um, my own. I, so I own my own stores, um, obviously under the area rep agreement. So I own Orlando and Jacksonville. And really QLM has allowed me the driver to do what I've done in the industry. So QLM has done very well for me um, financially. So I started basically saving a ton of money. Um, and then all the money that I made from the staffing model, I would just put in the coffers for CEP. And then shortly after that, I turned CEP into a subcontracting model. And um, we got, you know, the airport, the Orlando International Airport, which Angela, you were part of that, um, Saratoga Springs out at Disney. So I saw myself more in, I had all this manpower and we specialized in five or six trades. So why don't I just go bid my own work? And it was so simple for me. Let's just let's just go bid my own work. I was saving our general contractors um, anyway from subs that hadn't performed um, particular scopes of work. So it was it was kind of an easy thought process. And I had 300 craft workers between men and women, and I needed to make sure that they always had a home. So I started bidding my own work, um, electrically, commercial painting, division one, division 10, which I learned um, from Angela. Not a division I want to do much of. Um, so, uh, so that's how um, Competitive Edge became where it is today. And then in 2015, I was um, asked to apply for the board of ABC, the Association of Builders and Contractors, which is very interesting. It was right after my president's year at NAWIC. So I was president of NAWIC um, 2014, 2015, and I started the board of ABC um, the ending of 2015, starting it off on 2016. So I really believe that the leadership of NAWIC and what we went through as far as being on the board and all of those things is what helped me to be prepared for the ABC board, which is a very different board. It's 27, 27 people, um, basically, of all of the industry. So, so let me, and so I started, I built Central Florida from that ABC first meeting that I ever went to because I knew manpower and I knew the trade, so it just made sense for me to take, um, to start iBuild Central Florida, which would be, which would become the workforce um, education arm of the industry. So I didn't take a breath, but that's it. <laughs> oh, but there's so much more. Uh, there is so, so much more. A minute because you said so much. So I, you know, one of the things that's always impressed me about you is, you know, that you do view it as a simple thing, but, you know, make no mistake about it. It is not a simple thing. You just said, it's so simple for me. You have built these incredibly large companies. I mean, how many people do you have on your staff now? I think we just counted, hmm, I'm towing the 42. 
That's your that's administrative just, support staff. That doesn't include your field personnel, no, right? No, my field personnel is roughly in the 300s. So how, how did you do that? So kind of going back to the early QLM days, what did you learn and how did you grow in the ways that made you able to lead people to grow a company on this level? So, you know, overcoming obstacles was is always, I mean, it's, it's always been part of the industry. The construction industry is always, there's always a problem. There's always a situation. What I wanted to be for all of our clients is I wanted to be the solution for their problems. And I wanted them to think, in the industry, if there was an issue, we could just call Debbie Rodriguez and she'd figure it out for us. And that's kind of what I became. I became a problem solver, a solution-based person, because I never thought that I couldn't do something. It didn't matter if it was the most ridiculous thing. I would figure out how, how, to, how to help, how to do that. And in the, in the interim, I mean, I've been able to employ hundreds of people. And there is no greater like feeling of accomplishment when you watch people like go out to work and you know that you've you are investing in their future and and giving them the tools that they need to be successful in the construction industry so i i it was like i know i say it's easy but it really was it was how do i make a staffing model move into a subcontracting model with an education model connected to, to me it just it made sense it made sense that all of those parts would play such critical roles in our industry um I, I, I don't know. It seemed very simple to me. It wasn't simple. It wasn't simple at all. But the conceptual idea, and, and you know me well enough to know, if I can think it, I can do it. It's just a matter yeah. of figuring out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a can-do attitude. You've, uh, I mean, since I've known you, you've had that and you preach that to people, right? It's like if you can, sure. you can uh, go out there. You just have to make it happen. You have to find the ways. And something that I think you excel at exceptionally well that I think what a lot of people need to understand is it's all about the power of your relationships. And you are exceptional at that. It's kind of a, a joke in the local Maywick circle that Debbie knows everybody in construction, but it's we laugh and we giggle, but it's true. And I saw that when we attended an event and I remember you saying, oh, I don't know everybody. And we were walking out with a group of other people and everybody you passed, they were like, hey, Debbie, hey, Debbie, hey, Debbie. And you couldn't even get to your car because you stopped and talked to every one of those people. And what you've been able to do with iBuild, which we'll get to that, you've been able to put that in action based on the power of your relationships. So talk a little bit about those relationships and how you were able to grow QLM and of course, turn that into a launching pad for CEP as well. So um, relationships and partnerships are everything to me. Um, when the economy took the downturn in 2008, nine and 10, the only thing we really had at that point was relationships. And then the market came back pretty strong and then people forgot about relationships, but I, I never did. I, um, I've always, I've always cared about people. I, I tell everybody all the time, we all put on our pants the same way. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a business, doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States, it doesn't matter if you're a homeless person to me, everybody is equal. It doesn't matter anything else to me. So 
Um, and I feel like I've always had that people matter. Even if they don't feel like they matter, they matter to me. Um, they matter to the people here. They matter to my team. And I have to tell you, I have an exceptional team. I mean, our team does not hesitate to do anything for our team members and our clients. I mean, it's the culture that we have grown here is something that I, I had no idea would ever be this way, to be quite honest with you, because you just know how you feel and you don't know how to how to bring that that feeling into a culture. And somehow we have done it and we have done it really well. Um, and it's everybody, our superintendents, our foremans, our leads, our craftsmen and women, it's we all foster this belief that we're here to help each other. We're, we're here to help each other grow. We're here to help each other support each other through the good and the bad. And so, but I believe that that starts with me as a leader of, of, of those entities. And we don't foster anything other than we're here to help each other be better than we are today. And that's kind of the model that I've lived my entire life by. I used to, um, Mark, used to get very mad at me because he would used to used to focus on the P&L, our profit and loss statement. And I literally would look at him and I said, you know, the day that I start looking at my profit and loss statement is my, that's what's important to me is the day that I'm going to quit. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, my P&L means nothing to me. If I'm doing right by the people, our community, those less fortunate and our clients, my numbers will be there. I'm not going to worry about that. And that's what I've I have literally focused the 22 years in the construction industry solely on that. Yeah, you've always been very focused on people and you, you love what you do. You, like you said earlier, you love putting people to work and mm -hmm. it shows and they know it. And that's something that I've always noticed over time is, uh, you know, not only the GCs and the, and the relationships you're building on a business level, but those relationships that you're building with your team out on the front lines, you, you're still going out into the field every day and your people all know you, you know all of their names. Like that's kind of rare for a CEO, uh, especially of basically, you know, three companies to know every person's name and be so involved in the operations. So when you, when CEP blossomed and you, now you had these two companies really, you know, going full steam. You were able to take um, take that forward into iBuild. So I just want to talk about that a little bit. What was the catalyst for iBuild? So, you know, we so I when I first started iBuild, I was um, I was very disappointed. The first year, 2015, 2016 was. I almost gave up. I mean, you were there. You you saw it. Um, I remember having my very first I build. It was meet meet the schools, and you know find out what the schools are doing. And I I remember going to that, and I had Valencia there. I had Osceola County there. I had I mean, I had Orange Technical College. You you name it. I had every educate educating arm there, wanting and viably like wanting to partner with the construction industry. And literally 40 people showed up from the industry. I Debbie, had all real of quick, mm -hmm. Real quick for everyone, tell everybody what the mission is of iBuild. Since so the, the mission, the mission of iBuild is 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 in a nutshell to um, be the be the glue or be the the avenue to able to, to help people in the in in any industry 
to come into the construction industry and partnering with education to make that happen. So learning the trades, getting education behind the trades. So basically education and industry working together to bring more people into the industry, into the construction industry. That's Which is a big issue, right? It's a big issue now. I mean, it has been for years. This is not a new thing. And that's, I remember these conversations going on that, you know, um, I remember uh, people saying, you know, this company working on a solution, this company working on a solution, and, you know, but nobody was getting any traction. And through mm -hmm. the power of your relationships, you were able to bring together the education and the industry component, get everybody at the table and start the conversation and say, instead of us all having separate conversations, mm -hmm. let's work together to work towards a common goal to get people educated and open up pathways. Yeah. And I Again, this goes back to this power of your relationships that you were able to do something that all of these big GCs and even trade associations were not able to do on their own. Yeah, all that is true. I mean, it was, uh, it was, you know, and, and I say it all the time, like who knew that a little old staffing girl with a subcontracting company would be the one that would start iBuild USA, which was recently changed to iBuild USA. Um, it was, you know, but I knew this, I knew that we needed help in developing our workforce. And I knew that we would have five sectors that we needed to focus on was women, um, migrant workers, people out of the prison system, people with high level disabilities that, you know, you could teach them a trade and, um, people that were career changers. So those were the five things that I build was really focused on is how do we get women to be comfortable with a tool belt on? How do we get women to, to know that they have the power to be an electrician, a carpenter, whatever it is? Well, the only way that you make them comfortable is if you, if you put yourself out there. And I, I mean, I have some of the most amazing female tradeswomen. I, I am so fortunate. There is, out of the 300 craft workers that we have, I would say close to 200 of them are women. Um, because I don't see barriers and I try to tell them. So painting, 100% women can do it and they do great at it. Drywall finishing, obviously another trade that women do phenomenal at. Carpentry, although it's hard and it's intense, it's still a great trade for women to go into. Electrical, um, another one that isn't so high on, you know, your body and how, what you put your body through. So I just found avenues of, of trades that were a better fit for women, um, surveyors, safety professionals. I mean, I superintendents, I have a ton of superintendents that are women that work for me. So I don't, I don't know. So I just focus on those five entities through iBuild and, and now we have prison system programs. So people are getting rehabilitated and coming out. We literally have a three day we find them a job as soon as they get out of the prison system. If they were in our, one of our iBuild classes, we have them employed within three days. And that is, a, that is a huge success. So, so iBuild started as a way to get to younger people, right? It like did. Open up those conversations, not only with the younger people, but their parents, mm -hmm. um, and get education involved to help that. How did you go from there to uh, all of these new these newer programs that allow you to expand into uh, these other populations 
Well, um, so Central Florida has always had a program called ACT, the Academy of Construction Technology, which is a high school program for people in the trades. So what I didn't want to do and what I saw fairly quickly coming out of the gates with iBuild is I didn't want for ACT or the industry to feel like iBuild was a competitor of ACT because that's not at all what we were trying to do. So as we started to grow, I started to try to distance myself to where, you know, ACT would come with us to field trips um, with the guidance counselors we used to take the guidance counselors to field trip to show them a completely different trade. We would go into the school systems and talk about our career paths and who, you know, if you don't have to have a four-year degree to be successful, you can go down a, a technical college route and be very successful and make far more money than you could potentially as a four-year you know, college degree. Um, so, but I started to see a little bit that the lines were being blurred between ACT and iBuild. Um, so I tried to focus more on the adult side of it and let ACT do what ACT's great at. And that is, you know, being in the school systems, um, being that avenue. So it was really ACT did the high school programs and iBuild did the adult programs and then I kind of was a transition in. So we've been very, very great that ACT, um, we've been able to employ a lot of ACT students, um, all of the iBuild partners. So. Um, I think we've helped ACT um, get, you know, more membership than they had before because they were a high school-based program. So I um, I feel like that's why we moved away from, I feel like ACT does a really great job of the high school side of the construction industry. I just, I didn't feel like we were doing a very good job as an industry in those other sectors. So you created these other programs. Tell me a little bit about the programs that you have for women, like how, how did you tap into that market? Where did you start? <laughs> um, I started speaking Spanish. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. It was as simple as Debbie Rodriguez finally decided that her Cuban roots, her Latino roots, were going to come out. And um, about five years ago, I just started speaking Spanish. I, um, you know, my mother and father are, are from Cuba, so I understood the whole uh, communist side of the world and, and you know what my parents had experienced obviously I was not born yet but um, but I, I lived those stories as my parents were were becoming citizens of the U.S. and the same thing happened in Venezuela I mean I swear I think that there is a billboard with my picture and my phone number in Venezuela that says when you get to Orlando Florida call Debbie Rodriguez and she'll get you work um, <laughs> So, um, so the women's side of it. So here were all of these migrant workers, a lot of women that had no idea where there were professionals in their own country and they came here and they had nothing. They like my, I think of my parents, my parents came here, had nothing, had to start from ground zero. And here I had this plethora of women, Hispanic women that all they knew is they were professionals in their country and they could not do construction because that was a man's role. Well, how do you change that thought process? Well, I'm a woman, I'm Hispanic, and I just started talking about the trades. And now I have, um, in Venezuela, they were attorneys, they were doctors, um, teachers, engineers, like you name it. All of these different women and men were coming to Orlando, Florida, and they were showing up at my doorstep with no, no actual credibility in the United States of America, but had so much in between their ears, like they're incredibly intelligent. And so with NCCR and the apprenticeship programs that we have here in Central Florida, I had to teach them English first. And then from there, 
so we did we were doing Spanish class or English classes on job sites before their work day started or even at the I remember Disney walking by when I was doing an English class and we were doing a Justin Bieber song. I was like, okay, let's not teach them the inappropriate grammar in English. Like Justin Bieber is not the best, um, the best, you know, person. So, um, but I remember Disney walking by and being fascinated that I was having English classes on a job site before, because Disney doesn't, they have quiet hours until nine. So we had, we had English classes from 7 a.m. until 8.30 a.m. every day. And so I didn't want them to be song in English. Yeah, yes, so we would teach them songs in English because that's how I learned Spanish is from songs. So I figured if I could learn, well, and again, I was raised Spanish, so I just didn't speak Spanish for many years because I was like, I live in the United States and we should speak the language that they speak here because that's how my parents felt and that's what they bestowed in me. Um, so here I had all of these Hispanic um, workers and they didn't know English. And how else were they going to advance themselves in this industry if I didn't teach them English? So I started doing English classes. Um, and then you, you saw, like, I would walk our job sites and you saw these women, like, they were born leaders. Like, I have Maria, Yayani, Stephanie, um, Sue, I mean, Katerina. I mean, I can name one after another that you would walk a job site and they would stand out. And I would take the time to go and figure out, okay, they're born leaders. How do I foster that? And to moving them down a track that they're they become part of our leadership team all those people that i just mentioned all came here making 12 bucks an hour doing general labor and i think between 20 and 25 is what they make now and you're talking some of them have only been here for two to three years you're not even talking about a long period of time but also these are people that wanted it they didn't they weren't they they studied on their own after hours we had um duolingo which was an app that we made them download. So at home, we would have English classes. I mean, there was, so we tried to, we, we gave them the ability to be better. Um, and I just, I literally just, I wanted what was best for them and the rest of it was pretty easy. So what other kind of uh, populations can you tap into? So you have that, I, like- The prison system is another one. Oh, do you have for women in the prison system specifically or just the prison system overall? So the prison system overall, um, but we are talking to the prison system on um, the Women's Correctional Institution in Ogala. We actually were supposed to start um, a co-op with them. And then I don't know if you heard on the news, but some some dirty, some people were, were putting their fingers in places they shouldn't put and some dirtiness was happening there. Happening there. So we had to pull away from that, let the let them fix their house, we'll come back later. Um, so we really started the um, the program with Polk County. Um, and you know, I, you know, they show up to class and their blue, their blue suits and their orange suits. And I don't know, I just, I don't, I was, I have never been scared of anybody. So to me, they were just guys that had done something wrong. And for whatever reason, you know, I was here supposed to help them to be better. And I can't tell you how many people we rehabilitated. I mean, I mean, you know, some of them, Jason, you know, Jason, I mean, you know, Dawson, I mean, I can name on the other side of it, I can name, you know, 50 of those guys that have been completely rehabilitated because, and I'm going to be honest with you, I just gave him a chance. Well, and and Errol, Errol will tell me all the time. He's like, Miss D, they either call me boss lady, Miss D, um, and that's pretty much all they call me. They're like, you know, you believed in me when no one else would. 
And I'm like going, because I believe everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody makes mistakes. And if you've paid your debt to society, who are we to continue to make you like pay that debt? I just, I had such a, I mean, I, we have some of the best employees from that, from, from the system. And the system is very broken. I mean, it's very broken. Now that they have, you know, this, this, you know, target on their chest because they've made a mistake, it's almost the, they go back in so easily for some of the most insignificant things that we would never even think of. And then, so it's, it's trying to fight, you know, the system too, of how do you get them not to put themselves in a situation where they're around the wrong people and, you know, just stuff like that. So we are focusing on women in the prison system. It has not gone off as well as it should, but I do believe that in time we will be changing that, that model. I mean, we did a virtual reality headset for um, that, uh, that women's prison because we couldn't bring any tools in because it was a high security prison. And so we created, I built, created a virtual reality um, where they had to use their hands like the same way they would have to use tools if they had them there. So therefore, because we couldn't bring tools in. So we're like, well, we'll figure out another way to teach it. We'll put, we'll make a virtual reality where your hand motions matter. Um, so we would do quizzes along the way, you know, safety quizzes and then measurement quizzes and stuff like that. So it, it, it was kind of fun. Um, and that's what we were going to bring to the women's prison because we couldn't bring tools. There is truly no barriers for you. <laughs> no. I, I mean, no. I, you know, and I know you were friends and we talk and I just, there's every time I talk to you, you, you've, you've busted down a new barrier. You're finding mm. a way to make things happen. So yeah. like NAWIC, you know, NAWIC has construction career camp for high school girls, yeah. which they do every summer, not every chapter does them, but you know, Orlando does, you were the chair of that for years and years. And what? for your relationships, you you packed it, right? There was a lot of girls that came a lot of them on day one, did not want to be there. And by the end of the week, they had new best friends and they were yeah. bringing their parents to see all the projects they had created. And that was just one week that was free. And so how are you, because uh, I know, you know, you've, you've carried this into the future with iBuild. Are you able to touch the lives of young people that way? Uh, oh, absolutely. People? Absolutely. So iBuild's future is very much, um, you know, although NAWIC hosts the construction career camp for, for girls, and it is an amazing, um, an amazing thing that NAWIC does. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I have, you know, one of the NAWIC or one of the camp kids that went to camp for three years actually is one of my junior estimators now. So you look at, you, you look at, I mean, that we kept connected. I, I saw something in her in class, I, but I can say that about a lot of the girls in the camps. Um, you know, I talked a lot about, and this probably is not the right thing to say, but I, I started talking about, you know, don't feel pressured going into college. You know, it may not be your right path. You know, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, you're going to have to go that path. But there's nothing wrong with being a blue collar worker. There's nothing wrong with being in an industry. I, I say it all the time. If there was not the construction industry, none of us would have jobs because you, we wouldn't be able to live in our houses. We wouldn't have the buildings that we work in. We wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have the roads that we build. We wouldn't have the water treatment plants. We wouldn't have electricity. We wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for the construction industry. And it's about time for us to go back on, it's one of the best career paths 
in the United States. I mean, yeah, in the conversation, right? Yeah. So that's something you and I have talked quite a bit about is how do you change the conversation, not only with kids, but their parents. I think it's not. Um, their parents are so much harder because it's it's our age. It's our age right. people. I'm like, well, I, go ahead. We we beat the 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 college drum for so many years. It's not a bad conversation to have. It's a great conversation to have. Yep. We, you know, we did this whole thing for years, college, college, college. Mm -hmm. but that's not for everyone. And and it doesn't define success. It does not. I, you know, I don't have any college, and I've been able to do quite a bit. I know a lot of people are the same. I think it's all about your heart and your will to learn and grow and your relationships that you build and the opportunity. But I think it's also reminding people that you're not a loser if you don't go to college and right. that there is opportunity for you. And then they meet somebody like a Debbie Rodriguez that can really open up those opportunities and make them feel like they have that value. Mm -hmm. So how would you... What would you say to young girls? Because everything that we've been doing, that you've been doing, really, you plant seeds, right? NAWIC mm -hmm. is all about that with the young people. We're always planting seeds, whether it's through block kids, whether it's construction career camp, whether it's the CAD drafting competition, always planting seeds. Mm -hmm. What kind of seeds would you plant for some of uh, these future generations of girls to let them know that construction is a fantastic industry to get into? They're not going to be on the side of the road holding a stop sign. Mm -hmm. There's so much opportunity there. How would you do that? So what I really tried to focus a lot on, so in the NAWIC camp and even in the high schools when we go in, you know, I, especially in the NAWIC camp, we, we, meaning us, the industry, comes in and talks to them. I mean, they don't just hear it from me. They hear it from, you know, women that are now project managers, women that are now CEOs and COOs. I mean, so... We just talk about there there are no barriers. We, you know, I feel like the people just thought that the construction industry was just all of those people that didn't make it in the world. And here I am going, but we have accountants and we have um, CFOs and we have all, I'm like going, so those, those people are in construction too. So it's just really, to me, it was changing the mindset of your audience um, and having them look at, I mean, what other industry can you, do something today and see exactly like your accomplishments at the ending of the day. Whatever I started today and where I end at the day, you can see a total progression. And I have to tell you, I'm 100% motivated by seeing a pro progression of success, like what you've accomplished in a day. You know me, my to-do list, I love marking things off on my to-do list. So I think of the same conceptual, well, if that's how I'm driven, then think about you know, putting electrical uh, electrical in a building, it's all the steps. It's, you have to go from point A to go to point B and then everything has to tie back together. And so for those young girls, I would literally talk about, you know, obviously everybody wants to know about your financial stability, which, you know, but I, I would talk about the success. You would see a success every day, whatever, as small or as large as it could be. And I also wanted those girls to know that they didn't have to worry, they didn't have to depend on anybody. We were gonna teach them in that one week, the basics of just about anything when it comes to home repairs. We did drywall um, patchwork, well, we we set the, we framed it, and then we put the drywall up, and then I allowed them to take a hammer and make holes on the drywall, and then we, we taught them how to patch the drywall. 
We taught them how to do basic electrical work. We taught them how to pour concrete and how do you make a slab. Um, we taught them how to put down tile. Now, it probably wasn't the prettiest um, project, but I mean, we taught them the basics of being a homeowner and how do you fix your own stuff or how do you know that someone's not taking advantage of you and their pricing. And so I guess I just, that's what I thought about when we had camp is how do I make these girls be independent and know that they can do anything without say I hate to say it because I don't mean it the way it's about to sound, but that they can do anything without a man. Yeah, I think it's um, to be self-sufficient in this world, you, you have to be able to do things for yourself. But I think it's incredible. So, you know, it's what we've been talking about is opportunity. You know uh, what excites me the most hmm. is the people with disabilities. Because everybody's like, Debbie, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, going, they're a forgotten sector that just wants someone to believe in them. Yeah, maybe something. Who's to say what normal is? Who's to say that we're not the abnormal ones and they're the normal ones? So I think that that sector and what we're trying to do in that sector has been probably the, the biggest reward for me. The prison system, absolutely rehabilitating them and showing them career paths and doing how i mean I'm, those guys are doing amazing um but that sector of disabilities like people give up on them including their parents and it's yeah. like but just because something doesn't trigger upstairs doesn't mean that they're unable to do something and so it's that that one has been because i see them on our job sites and they're so happy i mean they don't they they're they're learning a trade like we have our first um high level autism um going into the electrical apprenticeship program and he was terrified and i took him to the school and walked him around and and introduced him to the instructors because part of that disability is they're just not comfortable with themselves because they don't know how to deal with what's in their head and so i try to eliminate all the barriers for them well if you're if you're unsure let's go to the school let's go show you what school looks like let's talk to the teachers let's look at so and i was with them so they felt more comfortable because they trust me. And I think, you know, I, I don't, I think migrant workers is another one. I mean, I could, I can tell you all of the sectors and how amazing it is to eliminate barriers. I mean, I do it every day. So what's next for you? Because <laughs> you know, retirement, so I know you got. No, nope, no, nope, I got, I got 20 more years. Um, <laughs> Imagine. You you know I I there's really two things. Um, so for me, I want I'm in the process um, with my staff in developing an LMS system, a learning management system, where we can really truly foster education in our team members and their growth. Because one thing I will tell you is all of them strive for education and knowledge. All of them do. It is when we have OSHA classes here, tens and thirties, and first aid CPR. I mean we have a room full of people um, that want, and they constantly want it. Our ESL classes with English, it's con so I have realized um, that I need to, every time somebody asks me for a pay increase, it's gonna come with a learning management modules from NCCR. So these are your five modules that you'll have to take. You'll pass them, you'll take the quiz and you'll pass them, and then you'll come here to the office and get proctored for the test. And then when you pass that test, then you'll get your increase. So I'm trying to, develop a career uh, so an lms system is one of my next targets 
Um, another one is as much as I believe in the education system and, and what it does for us, there's a lot of barriers. Um, the school system, our, us as trade teachers, if I was a carpenter in the industry for 20 years and I wanted to go in and teach a carpentry apprenticeship program, I wouldn't be able to in the school system because I didn't go to school and I don't have all the accreditations, but I you know, could teach, and I'm not saying me particularly, but you know, if I was a carpenter for 20 years, why, why, why can't I? Why, why can't I go into the schools and teach teach the kids or the young people? So um, I do think a potential uh, a, a potential apprenticeship school is in our future, um, adults and high school. So uh, starting an apprenticeship school where all of the apprenticeship models um, potentially could be under one roof, um, and then having our mobile units go out to the big job sites. You know, your airports, your Disney's, your Universals. You know, you're going to have this. I build you know, basically classroom in a box coming to the job sites. We have, we also have a classroom in a box. Um, we have, you know, instructional trailer that's 28 feet long that literally is a classroom. So we can take the classroom and the labs with us anywhere we go. So in my mind, I would believe that the apprenticeship school, we'd have, you know, those people can come to those school, but then we would have so many mobile units going to all of our job sites. So I think that's a vision. Um, I think those are probably two pretty big visions. Um, my subcontracting side, uh, you know, just continue to support the general contractors um, in our community. We have some great ones. Um, so I, you know, and continue to support our subcontractors that we do the staffing side for. Being a true partner, you take the good with the bad. You know, I've had some ugly job sites and, you know, I rolled up my my sleeves just like the rest of my staff did and we, we got it done. Um, so continuing to, to grow that, because it's been difficult for some people to see me from the staffing model into the subcontracting model, but the ones that are seeing it are, are very pleasantly surprised on how well we are as a subcontractor. Um, we've been very fortunate to get a lot of great opportunities, but it's all been based on relationships. Um, and we're gonna continue to foster that. I, somebody has told me that, why don't I go into uh, politics? I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that um, politics is exactly me. I don't feel like I have that uh, that ability to watch my mouth all the time. After all, I'm in construction, and I certainly do use words that I probably should not use on a regular basis. So, so what's next for me? Those are some pretty big ones. Those are some big ones, and it's it's I I'm always sitting back. I'm such a big fan, and just can't wait to see what you'll do next. Uh, you certainly do not let grass grow under your feet. You just keep moving forward. You are uh, an incredible leader, um, mentor to many, uh, and relationship builder. And I'm really grateful that you joined me today because I think that there are so many people out there listening that can be inspired by your story. I mean, we didn't even touch on so many things. And, and I just... Um, I think people need to hear what you have to say because it's refreshing, you know, uh, things about college and um, just that there's no barriers for anyone in the industry and all of the initiatives that you have. So thank you for all that you do. Um, and I love it. It's a pleasure. I, you do. And thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Well, I think you're a rock star and I appreciate everything you've done with me as I've continued to grow. You have always been one of my biggest fans and I will, Never forget that, so thank you. Oh, you're awesome. Well, thanks, Deb. Um, 
good luck in everything. I don't think you'll need the luck, but uh, <laughs> I'll take it though. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll maybe in a, a year or so, we'll get you back and see how you progressed and, and dig deeper into, you know, some other stories. That'd be fun. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Debbie Rodriguez is always forging ahead and new adventures and new initiatives and the construction industry will be better for it. It is always inspiring to sit down and listen to what she's got going on and I'm very grateful that she joined us on this interview. Thanks Debbie. I also like to Thank you, the listener, for joining us. Please remember to share this with others and connect with us on social media. And finally, a big shout out to TouchPlan, our partner and sponsor. Thank you guys so much for all that you do. That's all for today. We'll be seeing you next time. And just remember, we are just getting started.